I've known folks who would not work hard. I had a friend who broke a sweat just sitting. So anytime he exerted himself, anytime he did ultimate Frisbee, anytime he was helping move furniture around the dorm, he broke a sweat. And, and just sitting in a chair, he broke a sweat and his sweat stank. He stank anytime. And so I get it. Anytime there was work to do, anytime there was effort involved, he took a pass. He sat it out. I had a friend who wouldn't put forth effort for undeserving bosses. If she felt that the boss was a jerk or was unfair, she'd put in her time. She would do the bare minimum, but nothing more. The thing that made me the angriest, I was in high school, I was in a marching band. We were a competitive marching band and we would be on that asphalt parking lot on those late days in August, hot, hot days. And I had friends in that marching band who would show up and goof off. They didn't wanna work. They didn't wanna work hard. They didn't wanna put in the effort to learn the routines. And I would, I would shoot them the look of through my eyeballs, you know, what cats do. And try, you know, get to learn it. And I was just, you're causing us not to go on to state. So I can't relate to those kinds of people. I can't. Because of my personality, because of my upbringing, I work hard. In fact, in fact, my sin is that I work too hard. As a young pastor, I worked seven days a week. I worked at church, I worked at home, I worked on vacation. I brought work with me to vacation. For the first five or seven or 10 years, when we would go to the beach with Jenny's family, I got sick at the beginning of beach week and I would be so mad at God. God, why do you do this to me? This is the one week of the year where I slow down and this is how you do me. I worked too hard. Now, I had a friend from seminary days who was the exact opposite. Every summer by mid to, to late July, he had developed a deep, dark tan. And it was because he would spend three days a week, four days a week, and yes, sometimes five days a week at the golf course. Church members were not allowed to call him after 6 p.m. And he never attended church meetings. If I worked too hard, he didn't work hard enough. Now, you've known people like me. And you've known people like my friend from seminary. In fact, if you just take a moment and think about yourself, are you more like me? Do you work too hard? Is that your tendency? Or are you more like my seminary friend? You don't work hard enough and that's your tendency. Today, today I wanna remind all y'all that God expects us to work hard. God expects us to work hard and to be prepared for a rainy day, to be prepared for times of scarcity. To do that, I wanna look at two passages in the book of Proverbs two passages from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is not a self-help book. 
It's a collection of sayings for things that come up in life often enough that, that people need a name for it. And so Proverbs names those situations and gives you guidance on how to respond. It zeroes in on the choices that we make. It makes recommendations so that we become wise and live a life that pleases God. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 25. Ants, ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. <laughs> That's it. That's the verse. Ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. I can remember the song from Frank Sinatra. Just what makes that little old ant think he'll move that rubber tree plant? Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, but he's got high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got high apple pie in the sky. Hope so. Anytime you're getting low, instead of letting go, just remember that ant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. Okay, I can't sing, but Solomon is right. The Bible is right. We can learn a lesson from ants. Why? Because life is seasonal. You're going to have seasons of spring where things bloom and blossom. You're going to have seasons of fall where things die and go dormant. You're going to have seasons of summer. Oh, I'm there right now. Summer, 90 degrees, bake me in the sun. Hello, summer. And you're going to have winter, times of winter where ooh, it's cold out there. There are seasons of abundance in life. And there are seasons of scarcity in life. And a wise person is like an ant. A wise person stores up for winter. A wise person saves. Now, for those of you listening who are adults and who are old enough to can remember 2005, you were an adult back in 2005, think back to those happy times. No pandemic. People weren't arguing about the Constitution and politics. Ah, 2005, what a happy time. 2005 was awesome. You, you could go out and buy a house. The banks didn't care if you had a down payment. They would come to you. They would line up six deep. Oh, you want to buy a home? Here, here's 100% of what you need. No down payment required. Oh, you want a little extra to consolidate some debt or pay off debt? Don't like those countertops? Want to put in granite, baby? Here's 125% of the value of that home. Here, take it. It's just an adjustable rate mortgage. What could possibly go wrong? Things are going great. And people took those loans. People financed home purchases at 125% of the value of the home. And then when 2008 hit, ah, 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 they were in trouble. They were in trouble. They experienced pain. They had no savings, no margin. They had no equity in their home as a buffer against stagnant and falling house prices. You're going to have winter, you're going to have seasons of winter in your life many times. In 2019, Team Vanderpool had the year of appliances. Dun, dun, dun. 
Yeah, year of appliances. In 2019, in April, our fridge died. The third fridge for this home that we moved into in 2007. In May, our dishwasher died. In July, we had to put tires on a car that we weren't prepared to do because we were still saving and had six months left to go before we were going to replace those tires. And in August, our sump pump died. If we hadn't had an emergency fund, if we hadn't had money set aside, I would have been outside on the curb quietly weeping and my neighbor, Mr. Bellman, would have been concerned. Take notice of the ants. Pro Solomon has more to say about ants. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. There's an entomologist from the University of Kentucky who studies ant colonies, and he'll actually pour molten aluminum down into those ant colonies, and when they dig the dirt and stuff away, they'll pull those things out and they look like giant chandeliers. Some of these are four feet deep into the ground. So if you got an ant problem and you're wanting to get rid of them, you're going to have to go deep, baby. Four feet deep, diligence, determination, discipline, you know, stuff that's almost un-American these days. Ants work hard. Ants work together. Ants are prepared for the seasons of scarcity. They're ready for winter. And Solomon is contrasting ants with people who are lazy. And get this, this is important. People who can work, but don't work. Let me say that again. People who can work, but don't work. And he's saying that's a problem. He spells it out in the next several verses, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. But you, you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. In light of what we see in Proverbs, in light of how Solomon commends to us of all things, ants, let me ask a few questions. First, when you think of yourself, do you tend to work too hard like me? Or do you tend to work not hard enough like my friend from seminary? What's your tendency? And then secondly, is hard work for you contingent on circumstances or contingent on the kind of boss you have? And lastly, what if you had $1,000 tucked away for emergencies? And what if you had three to six months of income tucked away? What would happen to your stress level the next time the car broke down or the water heater needed replace? Yeah, that's right. You wouldn't have stress level. Let me suggest several things in light of these passages from Proverbs. First of all, 
I beg you, I implore with you, I plead with you, please, <laughs> please for the sake of all that is holy, establish an emergency fund, set aside $1,000 if you're married or you've got kids, set aside $500 if you're single or don't have kids, put that money into a savings account or under the mattress and do not touch it. So I want to cover some things about this emergency fund. Let's say it's eight o'clock. You're hungry. You're tired. The kids are hungry. Mommy, Daddy, feed us. We don't have anything to eat. The fridge is empty. Not that your kids sound that way. I did that for dramatic effect. It's eight o'clock. Is it okay to pull emergency fund to go out to Pizza Hut? No. Let's say that you're scrolling on Facebook or Instagram and they have curtailed an ad for you and you see those new, those, those new Sperry Topsiders. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a new you know, phone. I don't know. But you're scrolling along and you see it and you think, oh man, I totally need that. Is that an emergency? No. Let's say that the five-year-old refrigerator that you have in your home goes, and now you need a new fridge. Is that an emergency? Yes. Yes, it is. Let's say one of the kids does a slip and fall and needs stitches. And you go to the ER and you find out that this year's insurance is different. It's not $150 copay. You got to pay the full 100% till you meet this astronomically high deductible and you get the bill and it's $850. Is that an emergency? Yeah. Yes, it is. Establish an emergency fund, set aside, make it a goal. Use stimulus money if you've gotten some of that to fund this. Sell anything that's not bolted to the ground, but do what you can to get $1,000 saved or $500 saved if you're single and you don't have kids. Establish an emergency fund. Second, make it a goal if you're debt-free to have three to six months of income tucked away three to six months of income. Imagine how you would feel if you got laid off and you had six months of income in a savings account. Imagine how you'd feel if somebody, God forbid, in your household got a medical diagnosis that required all hands on deck. You'd have time to, to, to make a plan. You'd have time to, to tweak some things. Now, don't attempt this if you are in debt, if you've got car payments, student loan payments, credit card payments, pay those, off thing, pay those things off first and then save three to six months worth of income. Third, please don't make hard work dependent upon circumstances. Don't make hard work dependent upon circumstances. Give a full day's work for a full day's pay. Even if your coworkers don't, even if the boss is a jerk, God is watching. God is watching and God rewards hard work. God rewards faithfulness. And if you get grief, if you, get, if you have coworkers who are, eh, what are you up to? Eh, and if they come after you, you tell them this. Hey, I don't work for you. I don't work for the boss. I work for Jesus. If you got an issue with what I'm doing, take it up with Jesus. And by the way, tell him I said hi. For those of you who are bosses, for those of you who are supervisors, reward hard work. 
please, please reward hard work. Don't promote people because of politics, because of personality. Reward hard work. Fourth and lastly, I'm going to say something that will surprise some of you. Sleep. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. Sleep. Some of you, nurses, teachers, I could go down a long list of professions. Some of you have faced the impossible this year. Your workload has increased exponentially. You're putting forth energy levels and you're putting in hours that you never did two years ago. I want to say to you, sleep. Get eight hours. You're not superhuman. You have limits. Sleep is what enables you to make good decisions under pressure. Sleep is what enables you to see things clearly. Sleep is your friend. Get your sleep. Why is all of this so important? I believe that people who follow Jesus Christ should have as good as or better a reputation than Hispanics or Mormons when it comes to hard work and integrity. If you've got a fish on your business card or on your webpage, it should mean something good. It should mean something good. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians or 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. <laughs> Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. My Grandpa John's favorite verse in the Bible. Here's what was going on. There were people in this church in Thessalonica who thought, oh, hey, Jesus is coming back any day. It could be tomorrow. Hey, guess what? I quit my job, baby. Woo, I'm just hanging out, chillaxing until Jesus shows up. Thank you very much. Hey, could you uh, share some of that lunch with me? And so Paul channels his inner Jew, his inner training from the old, what we call the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. And he's like, look, you're not a machine. You shouldn't work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's not godly, it's not right, it's not the way you were designed to live life. But you should also not be lazy. You work six days, you stop and rest one. There's a rhythm to life. Again, Proverbs chapter six, verses six through eight. Take a lesson from the ants. Learn from their ways, become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Take a lesson from the ants.